Welcome to Romancing the Gemstones, where we're talking about the righteous gemstones from HBO. I am one of your hosts, Jamie G. Esquire, the fifth <laughs> proud survivor of Y2K. True story. I'm here with my co-host, Magna Mills, to talk about Interlude 3, Season 3, Episode 5. Mills, a little hung today, so not drinking anything but some high-quality H2O. Mills, I do have to ask you, though, man, how many Y2K buckets did you buy? Um, Three. They were all original recipe, courtesy of the Colonel. Even came with mashed potatoes and biscuits. I am Magna Mills, and thank you for selecting Romancing the Gemstones as one of your side dishes. You can find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube. We're presented by regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Find us on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. And please, you don't want to forget your sides and you don't want to forget your flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. That's how other people find our show. We greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you had fun, don't be dumb. Give us that thumb. Thank you. And I do have to say it. This is a full-on spoiler discussion of the episode titled Interlude 3. We'll also be talking about the teaser for the next episode, but not until we do our predictions at the end of this one. So we'll remind you again when we get to that point. That's it. We're spoiling shit from here on out. This is Interlude 3, Season 3, Episode 5, the 23rd overall episode of The Righteous Gemstones, originally aired July 9th, 2023, directed by David Gordon Green. This is the ninth episode of Gemstones that he's directed, written by John Chalcieri and Danny McBride. This is the fifth written by credit for the duo on Gemstones. Guest stars include Kristen Johnston, Steve Zahn, Emma Shannon, Jay Gavin Wild, Tristan Borders, Keely Marshall, and Sean Whalen. The short plot synopsis is, after a Y2K doomsday fails to materialize, Eli and Amy Lee find themselves flooded with criticism from their congregants and the Montgomerys. Later, the arrival of Jesse's girlfriend, Amber, throws an already fragile Judy for a loop. All right, Mills, it's that time, man. Ron's left this bad boy for me. How are you feeling about Interlude 3? Are you romancing it? Is it a one-night stand? Or are you simply swiping left? Simply swiping left is simply irresistible, except when it's not. I usually love these interlude joints, and this one wasn't bad or anything, but I think I'm kind of one night stand in it. it. Definitely some good stuff here, but overall, I don't know if this is the, you know, the hook I would have chosen to hang the hat of the season on, so to speak here. So I think it's a one night stand for me. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm going to one night stand it too. Like it's not a total pass on it. it. You know, I enjoyed young Jesse is always great. I enjoyed young Judy. They nailed the hair, uh, the mannerisms. I thought they did a really, you know, they've always done a good job casting the kids. But again, kind of the entire season hanging on Y2K is kind of a big deal. We also had that kind of almost like horror like scene earlier in the season with May May. I think it was episode one kind of chasing down, um, ready to kill uh amy lee so I, I you know i thought it was a little bit of a letdown here that it was all just based on that sometimes i think that when you do a full episode that's a that's a flashback it can be tough man and i thought this one was tough didn't hate it didn't love it i'm just gonna one night stander i think that's fair and if i had to guess right now without having rewatched the other two you know in the past week or something i think it's probably my least favorite of the three interlude episodes what do you think i i, I would agree with that so I remember, I think it might have been season one or season two was really good. They both, season one was basically the Baby Billy episode. Yeah. About like the tour and like all that and his uh, shit back in the day. And season two was the one with, uh, uh, you know, his dad shooting the bull, uh, Junior's dad from uh, from Memphis or whatever. Yeah. And then being buried under the roller coaster and whatnot. 
Yeah. 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 So both, both were really good. I think, you know, obviously season one, it was like, wow, they got something here. Um, with, you know, but that was baby Billy, baby, baby Billy would do that now. Come on now. Baby yeah. I think it's just the case of where the bar was but had been set, you know, really high for these kind of episodes. So I think it was maybe a little bit of a victim of the success of the, the previous couple. Because let's start right out at what we're talking about there, kind of the, the heart of the dispute between the Montgomerys and the Gemstones. And obviously there are some underlying issues here in terms of who's got money and who's got this and that. But everything gets kicked up a notch when Peter's investment in the Gemstones Y2K buckets goes very, very badly. May May won't let Eli refund them. That leads to Peter attempting to rob a bank, which is why he was in jail and also how he got a scar. And, you know, we've alluded to it, man. Is this a satisfying origin story for this big family feud? Kind of, but not really. It's weird. I, I don't want to do the typical Jamie G Esquire the fifth thing where I say a little column A, a little column B, but it, it almost is here, right? Like it's it's almost enough, but I don't think it is. I can understand a little bit about Peter's hatred here. He got swindled in, you know, he he made a mistake, robbed the bank, got got blasted in the face, went to prison, his whole life changes. I can also understand May May kind of feeling like her whole life fell apart. They made they did a good job in the episode kind of making her seem holier than thou when it came to her brother Eli and 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 the gemstones in general but I don't know that it's enough to kind of get the whole season like the main plot line you know like in seasons past there's been one or two big plot lines right um this time I don't know man like it seems like this is it kind of and I, I just don't know that it's enough a little bit of a letdown I agree and it's not necessarily with the actual stuff it's with the mechanics of it I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They want the gemstones to be kind of despicable, but yet redeemable. That's why Eli offers to, you know, redeem his stock, buy back his stock, basically refund him. You know, there was a 30 day uh, return policy, at least it said so on the commercial. That doesn't seem so bad, but then may, may, you know, because of her pride won't let him do it. So I think that's one, if they just don't offer the refund, then you can, you know, kind of get the grudge right in Peter. I think he's, you know, generally okay. With Eli, we even see after because he kind of puts it on May May because, you know, Eli did offer to give him the money back. But I think what gets to the heart of it is the fact that we learned that Eli didn't believe it, it, you know, all along. And so that's kind of, I think, why Peter ultimately becomes, man, it's not because he sold about it. It's because, you know, he didn't sit him down and be like, yeah, dude, sit this one out. Like, seriously, you know what I mean? He didn't like that was the breach of the trust. I think when he says, you know, he's like, oh, don't invest in much. And you also told me that, you know, told everyone else that the world's going to end, you know, what am I supposed to believe? And then I was like, oh, what do you think I'm out there lying to everybody? And then later when he's talking to Amy Lee, I know, yeah, he, he is out there lying to everybody. Yeah. So you can kind of yeah. get it right. A little bit at least. Yeah. We both, both lived through Y2K. So I did kind of like a little bit of the nostalgia in me appreciated like the Y2K reference and like the whole thing. And I, I still remember where I was on that New Year's Eve and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I did, I did like that, but it just, I don't know, man, if you, I'm hoping there's like another thing here on the back half of the season. I, I don't know if there will be or won't be. Yeah. I mean, I did like the infomercial they made. That was definitely a winner. You And one of the things very prominently featured is a uh, commode liners. You, you absolutely need those in the, uh, you know, the aftermath of the world ending. And I don't really get what Peter's plan was. Like he was what waiting for the world to end, and then he was going to sell these very valuable buckets for worthless money. Like I don't get, you know what I mean? Like he bought them to make money, but he also thought that the world was ending, and that's why he bought them. Like he, I don't think he really thought through the logic on his plan a little bit, which tracks with the fact that he goes to rob a bank, and obviously, uh, he's not a natural born bank robber. I think I think that's pretty safe to say. Although he got he got that dude from across the road, right? I'm thinking that was a probably 
a lucky shot, but uh, had to have been because he kind of while he was falling, wasn't it? I mean, he already took one to the face. So I mean, that was kind of a yeah. I mean, honestly, it was kind of cool that you saw that Peter actually liked the gemstones, right? Like way more than Maymay when they're over there. Maymay, dude, she brought her own fresca. She can't yeah. drink the sprite. Like, no, I ain't drinking your pop. And then later, you see when Peter comes in, he's like, and he, uh, you know, he opens the the sprite like he's part of the team. Yeah. In Eli's office, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and shout out to a couple of scenes we got in the church there. Like Peter, I think he's a true believer. He saw him handling the stakes and everyone singing, and like that was a uh, that was some stuff, man. Yeah, that, it was, that pretty cool. was pretty cool. And you know, it was just interesting to see them doing it, kind of. And they almost wanted to do a tale of two families, right? One's doing it, kind of, and not for money, and the other one is. And I thought they did a good job of showing that. Um, you know, we'll see, man. I still think there's something lurking here. It, it, it was an interesting choice. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, to back up your point about kind of trying to compare between the two fam- the two families, we got to see the uh, the Montgomery, like their lunch after on Sunday after church. A lot different right. than the gemstones, right? And I think right. I love that they made a point to show that. And I think even in there, we get uh, May May telling Carl to, you know, not talk when he's chewing and that kind of thing. So I, I definitely like the writing on that. Yeah, that that tracked pretty well. I thought that was I thought that was fun. Uh, and again, I, they they did a really good job casting all the kids. This was the first time we've seen the Montgomery kids. Thought they did a good job casting. Yeah, the Chuck too. kid especially was uh, was great. I mean, Calvin's probably the weakest, but he's the youngest, so it's always hard to cast that someone that young. I think. Yeah. While the adults were doing their thing, the Montgomery and Gemstone kids played outdoors with a monster truck. We get to see the Redeemer in action, and dude, it was awesome. I mean, legit glorious. What did you think about the relationship uh, You know that, that we got to see established between the Montgomery and the Gemstone kids here? It was kind of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, in a definitely way that the Gemstones obviously feel superior you see, like, Chuck asked to drive it, and Jesse's like, no, like, right away, snap, no. And then later on, like, he yells at Judy, like, you know, they come from, like, poverty. They're dirt poor. They ain't got nothing. You know, and he means it kind of as a compliment in a weird, you know, kind of Jesse kind of way. Uh, again, the young actors, especially the ones playing uh, Jesse and Judy, are just pitch perfect. It's hard to get Danny McBride's mannerisms down so well. It, it's not just the look, like, the way he talks and everything. I mean, I totally 100% believe that he's Jesse. And then obviously, dude, the Redeemer. A, what color is the Redeemer, Jamie G? Do you remember? White with... Uh... No, Jesse specifically says the Redeemer is Coke White. Oh, yeah, Coke White. <laughs> and I love the song, like the Redeemer had its own theme song when it came in, like a little power ballad deal. Redeemer! Love that. I really hope that's on the, the soundtrack at the end of the year. That's going to make it on one of my Spotify playlists or something. I'm going to all of a sudden bump that somewhere. And I'm going to be like, what the hell is that? It's a Redeemer song. Dude. Just don't go running through, you know, Barbie cars and plates of donuts and whatnot. What'd you think of the smashes, dude? Was this, was this, a, did this montage work for you? Oh yeah, it was fun. We got the, uh, a Barbie car and a plate of donuts. Like it kept getting bigger. Then it's like a couch with stuffed animals and like a, a musical keyboard. Then it's like a bench chair with like a scooter or a tricycle. Then it's like a dresser, a table, a chair, a pillar, and a boom box just, you know, kind of perched on top. Then you got some lawn chairs, regular chairs, coffee table, lamp, big one of the big circle cushion chairs. And then finally, like the big one at the end is an armchair, a Christmas tree, another lamp, a bag of golf clubs, and a golf cart. That definitely seemed like fun. It was cool the way they did this because they could have they went about it a bunch of ways, but I actually just like the 
the gradual increase of what they're smashing. I, I thought this this was pretty smart way to 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 showcase the redeemer here in action. Yeah, and shout out, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. We learn here that Jesse and Judy live their lives the same way that Gail the Snail gives handies. They, they're mashing it. I'm giving Frank a handy under the table. Ugh. That is true. Look, Snail, back off, because you're just mashing it now. And uh, what do you think of the very specific wardrobe choice to have Jesse Gemstone rock the FUBU? I, I'm okay with it, dude. I think it works. He rocked man. it that at the end when he when we'll talk about that when we get there when he's doing the dark man thing and he's still got the more fubu. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought it worked, dude. His whole with the matching hat, like, yeah, I I I like this, man. I thought I thought it worked well. Very on brand for him. I will Definitely. say. And, uh, do you remember what the devil is inside, according to May May? Come on, give me one. No, oh, it's like you have video games, movies, music, dancing, cartoons, and Halloween. Remind me a lot of uh, Kathy Bates, like uh, Billy Boucher's mom from uh, The Water Boy. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the devil. Too small is the devil. Everything's the devil. Dancing? Uh, I, I don't know. They, they Music? Like there's music in the church. There's dancing in the church. I, mean, I, I don't know. What do I know? But... Well, maybe yeah, that's not for the children. That's just for the yeah, That's not for the children's. Oh, man. And I guess I do have to mention that, you know, we're talking about all this smashing and my third ex-wife is probably one of my favorites. Like she wouldn't stop cheating on me, but she did say that she was happy to let me watch her smash. So I had that going for me, which, which was nice. And uh, I guess now it's time to talk about the introduction of Amber and kind of the situation she had with her ring before we dive deeply into the troubled childhood of Judy Gemstone. Um, what do you think of young Amber and kind of the storyline with her ring, you know, Judy stealing it or kind of finders keepers or, or what have you. Again, I thought they did a really good job. And I like that they built on this previously in episodes kind of with Judy and Amber having a little bit of a, of a beef with each other with the whole system thing. And, you know, Amber trying to kind of become like a, you know, like a matriarch in the, in the, in the family here. And, and Judy's kind of fighting it and wants that to be her, but she's messing up. So I, I like that they planted the seed there. And then you saw it when they were kids, that was really cool. And I thought, again, the casting was really good. You knew right away it was Amber. So I thought that was cool. I I definitely liked, um, you know, Jesse trying to defend her uh, and, and then defend the fact that like, don't be hating on me because somebody actually likes me. <laughs> <laughs> like that's and then you know what dude? other than he, your parents he was right actually like yeah like, i really love the entire scene with judy and amber in the bathroom yeah and that's when she leaves the ring in there because judy kind of just keeps coming at her and like kind of like like just is almost a, like a surprise like horror thing like she turns around she's not there and then amber's sitting over on the toilet or whatever like stalking her almost a little bit i, I really enjoyed that aspect of it and then the idea that this is judy gemstone in the time that she found this ring she went to a pawn shop and got it you know valued yeah <laughs> dude it was hilarious shit. to me that she's like it's it's worth nothing i took it to the the pawn shop <laughs> and other little stuff just the idea that like even as young as he is kelvin immediately knows judy stole it because she steals everything yep and something else that just fits with the timeline do you remember what amber was watching when uh, Judy came to give the ring back, Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake, yeah, I was gonna say Geraldo, or it would have been cool if it would have been Jerry Springer. Rest in peace. Jerry I feel like Ricky Lake is a deeper cut. R Ricky Lake is a deeper cut for sure. Yeah, that whole bit really just worked, and I like that you did see them kind of bond just a touch there when uh, Judy gives the ring back, and she's like, oh, "I really did like your hair." 
you know, I think they're going to maybe do a thing in the next episode. So I think they're setting that up a little bit there that they have kind of a little bit of a relationship of some sort, at least, which, you know, doesn't seem like Judy has many other female friends. So Amber is probably going to be a fairly crucial ally for her as she tries to win VJ back. Uh, yeah, I don't think she has many female friends. I don't think she ever did. And to be honest, I don't think she had many friends at all uh, when she was in high school. I mean, she she struggled to get to get dude to like her there. She had two friends, her poster of Ryan Felipe and her poster of Russell Crowe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever be the same again after this, but we have to dive deep into the psyche of Judy Gemstone. She was not good at flirting with the boys. Uh, she's shoplifting, and she overhears her parents basically talking shit about her. Pretty crushing. I think the episode does a good job of establishing why Judy is the way she is as an adult, right? Yeah, because I don't know that a lot has changed, really, right? When you kind of watch her, I don't know that she's ever really learned any of the lessons. I mean, you get the idea, right? Like, she's just shoplifting. She doesn't really need to be shoplifting, right? It's absolutely hysterical. I love that montage, especially the beginning, where she's literally just dragging Calvin. Talk about getting dragged to the mall. Calvin met literally dragged through the mall. I thought that whole bit was hysterical. But what does she really need to steal, right? Yeah. Nothing. She's just stealing dumb stuff just for the... the sake of stealing it basically yeah i mean just for the thrill of stealing it just because she can you know the other thing too is like she so desperately wants attention and you see that as an adult with her wanting to be the singer and the spotlight and everything she wanted it back then she couldn't get it and she didn't go about it the right way and i think she's never really figured out how to do it you know, and, and Beej, as great as BJ is, he gives her attention, but BJ's a real one, dude. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't overdo it with her, I don't think. Yeah, and you see that in the way at the beginning of the episode, Judy tries to like flirt with a guy basically by throwing her dandruff all over. Yeah. I, I will say the payoff of that was so good though. When uh, Jesse comes in, he's wearing up. The, the dark man mask, basically, with the fubu and little cape and everything. And he comes in and he shaves the dude's head and then just yeah. literally just spanks his ass red, which is something that a baby really threatened to do to him in the last episode, literally spank his ass red. So yep. I don't know if that was an intentional callback, but it worked well as one. And I, I kind of want to, you know, early prediction. I'm hoping we get to, if we ever get another interlude and even adult Jesse, adult Jesse, bring the dark man thing back with the fubu. Do it, man. Just do it. You know, after watching this, I went back and I'm looking back on like episode or season one when he was trying to figure out who was blackmailing him. I don't know if he did that, if he if he rocked it back then when he was trying to figure out like who it was with the whole thing. I, I can't I couldn't remember, but I, I'm there for it. I want to see him do it again. It was pretty awesome. I really like the scene with Amy Lee and Eli. And we'll get to that kind of their part of it in a minute. But at the end, all of a sudden, they start randomly kind of talking about Judy, like she has an undiagnosed mental illness and kind of she's a handful and she saw a piece of work. And then you kind of the camera pans over and you see Judy listing. Like in that minute, I, I've never really felt bad for Judy Gemstone very often. I felt really bad for her right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How, you know, how else? It's basically your parents. It, it, the best case scenario is like she feels like she's the least favorite child, you know, but. Worst right, case scenario, she's like, case, they don't but... even like me, much less love me. Yeah, I mean, they're chuckling over what a mess she is, and and basically the butt of the butt of their joke. I mean, that that's tough, man, to to stumble on that for sure. Right, they're already worried that she ruined already. Yeah, because then what is she? You know, 12, 13 years old, and then you know, Amy Lee's a little worried that that's it. Like it's it's already a lost cause. That's definitely not something you want to hear. 
on the flip side, you had the conversation with her kind of opening up to Jesse. And I thought that was actually very sweet. Yeah. It kind of cool. Like Jesse's like, oh, I get it. Like kind of we're, we're the same, right? Like they think they take after their dad and Kevin's like their mom. And, but it was really cool that they just, you know, she kind of doesn't really open up to people very often. And, you know, Jesse could have been Jesse because he came in there real pissed already, right? He came in there to like, yeah, he came in come to Jesus moment kind of deal. Yeah. And then basically just dials it down. It's like, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool. And then, tells, you know, finds out what's up and then kind of goes and gets revenge for her. You know, I thought that was both, you know, very important, I think, for, you know, Jesse and for, for Judy. And hopefully they're doing that to probably foreshadow a little bit. They're going to have to come together at some point to save each other's ass this season. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it. Let's kind of touch on the uh, the Gemstones Y2K scandal here. You know, we saw a little news report here. They made millions of bucks. And we hear them both admit they didn't really believe it. You know, Time Magazine's there. They're being protested. Attendance is down for the first time ever. You know, we've talked about the uh, the nuts and bolts about how it affected the Montgomerys. Just how do you think this worked from a standpoint of what we know about Eli and Amy Lee, right? Because she always seemed like kind of a straight shooter and Maymay's accusing her of kind of being as bad as Eli and accusing her of, you know, kind of almost, you know, goading him into his worst instincts as far as getting bigger and the money and stuff like that. So I don't know. How did you really feel about that? We saw in the, in the conversation, right? Amy Lee's almost longing for Y2K to happen. If she want the world. Yeah. She was kind of like on some level. It'd be a lot cooler if we just didn't have all the stuff, right? Yeah, I, I think that she, you know, at a certain point, the 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 fame, the lifestyle, all that. I don't know that that's what she ever got into it for. It certainly came, but I don't know that's what she got into it for. I do like this whole thing though, because again, the satire of of big church in America, right? Like big church is big business, and I like that they kind of throw this out there. But Eli and Amy Lee are are smooth, man. I think they're much more equipped to handle this because even though they had a little bit of a fallout, Eli going out there and approaching them and then them kind of bridging back together and using the Lord, like it's the ultimate like get out of jail free card, so to speak, for them. And, and they use it really well. And it worked. And I think they obviously recovered and rebounded and probably gained more uh followers after this because they went through it with them yeah i really like that when they went out and you get the idea that eli was trying not to step on himself but he was just honest enough that amy lee was like all right like you know i can kind of co-sign on this and you know and again it was probably somewhat altruistic but on the other hand she knows too like she doesn't want their whole church to fall apart because then what did she do all this for right so she's stuck in a little bit of a catch-22 and it's probably a little weak that if they were this bad that that's it one little speech to a group of protesters and all blows over but again we saw that you know there was going to be the reporter with the expose although he did say at one point in season two the reporter guy that he was looking into stuff from amy lee's past so you know maybe there's a, another shoot a drop assuming they get picked up for a fourth season yeah you keep trying to help me here but i swear my entire closet is filled with regular ass shopping mall clothes i mean just some regular ass shopping mall clothes can you revitalize my wardrobe with some righteous merchandise? I just have an idea for a joint with uh, Eli on the cover of Time Magazine, and it just says a periodical I respect. I feel that would be a, a little bit of a flex. And then you got like just Amy Lee on a shirt that says all the best girls are country girls. I feel like that would be a good one. And uh, it'd be a cool one for young Amber, just the, the girl from the Wendy's sign. I like that. Just uh, you could just call her Wendy, but not she's not actually Wendy. She's just the girl, the model who played Wendy in the Wendy sign. 
in, in one with uh Maymay. just like you know how they had i like ike back in the day just maybe and it's like i like fresca yeah and then there's maybe just one of jesse right at the end when he does the dark man thing he just kind of perched up on the little ledge or plant or whatever and he's looking back and i just want like a, who are you dark man that's great. All those would would be upgrades in this year wardrobe. That is for sure. You, those aren't those are no regular. As long as you like clothes. Fresca, you're good. Yes, and you know it's usually a good idea here to turn the other cheek. Well, unless you're Peter, it's time to give some alternative titles for this episode. Uh, interlude three. It's okay. It isn't much fun. Um, it, it works, but let's see if we can spice it up a bit here. What do you got for us, Mills? Uh, I like, you know, one that sounds a little bit like something the uh, the show would do. Who was wrong, Jesus or you? I like that too. You know, what one thing that one thing that I liked uh, here too was Jesus, Judy. What's wrong with you? I think that could be a fun one too. Um, if if you saw that at that, I I think that would be good, and and that gemstone temper would be a good one too. Yeah, the Jesus duty what's wrong with you that sounds like it's some sort of like a Christian child book right to like teach you like about when you did something bad or whatever if you want to go straight you know 2000s I need my TRL <laughs> that's uh, definitely right out of the MTV galaxy of that time let's just test you here what does TRL stand for bingo trl dude is a big and what, time and i believe that was the original name of it and uh yeah one of my uh the old uh my roommate my college roommate's high school girlfriend once dated carson daly Yay. wow that's a random connection there's, wow. your, there's your deep cut so uh there's more to that story stay tuned to our various whatnots and you'll hear parts of them over the years and uh the final one here the only downside is a slide and the final one here the only downside to society not collapsing there's only one downside. No, no room for my luscious fluffs. That was a that was a nice, nice, uh, nice little stab right there. Yeah, I can do it on the voyage with the Mimi with the temptation of Tiny TD. I love the alliteration there. It is time for us to drop a gem on him. Once again, Once again. Mills, drop your favorite quote or dialogue from Interlude Three. I really want to cheat and go with two, but I have to go with Jesse talking about his monster truck. And that yeah! is what you call a moist maker. My monster truck is the fucking tit. Jesse. Co-signed. It's a done. moist maker, right? It, it's a moist maker. That is so Jesse Gemstone, Danny McBride. I just, Jody Hill. Yes. I, I can't, there, there's nothing else here. I mean, I, I have to, dude. I have to do this. I was, that's what? it. You're doing this. <laughs> I have to, dude. It's my favorite one. All right, I'll give you. I guess I'll. I guess I'll go with. Uh... I ain't playing like I'm sleeping, Jesse. You're saying that I'm just fucking laying here. Well, face me. I'm trying to have a fucking hardcore come to Jesus talk with you right now, and you're being very rude with your body positioning to me. You're being very rude with your body positioning to me is the most Danny McBride joke ever. Basically, it really is. It really. It's is. so specific, right? Like you're being very rude with your body positioning to me. He's not wrong. It's just so specific. Well, and it's just funny because he what he was trying to have a fucking hardcore come to Jesus talk with you, but you're being very rude with your body positioning. She, she was kind of. She wasn't. She wouldn't even give him, you know, face to face. Oh man. Well, Lord knows that everybody on the show, well, except for Keith and BJ, love to insult one another. And heaven help you if you're the one being ripped on. Ah, oh, man. 
before we start, shout out Omar Epps. You know you've got the juice when someone actually asked you. So who was wrong? Jesus or you? Uh, Judy had it kind of rough this episode, but she did land some shots. Suck my dick, Jesse. You suck mine, Judy. I'm in a male boy, not no snack. Is that human hair country? You wearing a horse hair wig? I call bull. You don't love Jesse, he's a fucking clown. Okay, Raggedy Ann. Surprised to even have bones in the village you come from. Uh, Jesse, would you like to uh, retort? You don't come from no damn village, Judy. Stop making fun of people for being from poverty. Chuck and Carl are dirt poor. It's rude. Judy, why don't you slide this chicken fried steak with gravy right up your ass? Watch me load up some more. Judy, you wish you had a fucking boyfriend. Don't be jealous because somebody actually likes me besides my own parents. Unlike you, no one likes your ass. Fuck off, Kelvin. At least I got a TT. Not a tiny little doll pecker like you. Ah, oh, anything to say for yourself, Kelvin? She's trying to cut my privates off if I told mom and daddy. <laughs> Judy will do it. I know she will. Yeah, I think she would. Hey, Maymay, have you ever heard of irony? You know, I saw y'all on the news. They were saying you conned everyone with that Y2K nonsense. <laughs> I don't know what kind of idiot would have bought into that. The kind of idiot that you're married to. He, did, he didn't trick me none, Maymay. You're a fool, I, Peter. Eli, do you have anything to say to your sister? Love your principles, love your ass. Ah! You let your kids go hungry to prove a point, you dumb bag. Oh, I think Mamie's about to blow her stack. Quick, Carl, say something nice to calm her down. I, I was just kidding, Mama. I love being poor. Eli, Amy Lee, anything to say about your daughter, Judy? There's still hope. Even for Judy. Even for Judy. She's just got some minor undiagnosed mental problems. Nothing a rubber room won't fix. <laughs> <laughs> For her or us. <laughs> oh, she's a mess. She is something else. Well, we're going to continue the righteousness here with our righteous moments. Mills, what's your favorite scene or moment from Interlude 3? Boy, you know, I think we've probably uh, given it up enough for the Dark Man stuff. So I'm just going to go back to the monster truck smashing. Everything about it was just great in an absolute ton of fun. How about yourself? Yeah, ton of fun. That That's way out there. I, I'll, I'll say, you know, another scene that deserves some love is definitely that bathroom scene between Judy and, and Amber. I thought that was really good as well. All right. It's time to bust out our jeweler's loop that we stole from Mars Eye Larry and evaluate the episode. We're going to grade interlude three on a scale of zero to 10 gemstones. JBG, drop a grade on them. I'm going to give them 8.6 gemstones on this bad boy. Um, good episode. Not my favorite of the season, but 8.6. Jamie G goes 8.6. I think I'm probably in roughly the same universe as you. I think I'm going to go with 8.5 gemstones right in there. A pretty good episode. One, you know, probably my top half of the season so far, but probably my least favorite of the interlude episodes. Well, praise all that is good in this world. It's time for Righteous Ratings. Mills, please explain how the sausage is made here. All right, here's the deal. 
Every episode, we rate the characters in five categories. They can get from one point to five points. One is the lowest you could get. Five is the best. We average those results together, see who got the most to determine who won the episode. We evaluate the characters on the following categories. Getting shit done. Your home life slash love life. Your career. Don't be a fuck up. And the funny factor. Pretty self-explanatory, I think. We ranked nine characters in this episode at the very bottom, number nine, almost scoring the lowest possible joint you can get, Peter Montgomery. Not far ahead of him is May May at number eight. We had a tie at six between Chuck Carl and Amy Lee. You know, as we break into our top five, there's actually a tie at number four. So at four, we have Kelvin and Judy. At three, we have Eli. At two, we have Amber. And at number one, with 4.5 out of a total possible five points, is Jesse Gemstone. That's the best anybody has done on our ratings so far. Young Jesse was just on fire this episode. Legitimately scored 4.5 in every category when you rate our rankings together. Shout out, Jesse. Shout out, Jesse, dude. Way to deliver. Now we need to see uh, Young Jesse versus uh, Baby Billy. That's, That's the matchup we really need, Young Jesse versus Baby Billy. Absolutely. I'm there for that. It's time for us to bow our heads and show some faith in the future. This is when we make our predictions for the next episode, which will include the next time on trailer. If you don't want to hear that, this is your chance. Go ahead and get out of here. Hey, get out of here. Thanks for checking us out. We'll see you next week. For everyone else, it's prediction time. All right. The next episode is For Out of the Heart Comes Evil Thoughts. The short plot synopsis is Threatened with blackmail, Judy turns to Amber for advice, while Jesse goads BJ into a long-simmering fight. As a despondent Kelvin tackles life without Keith, baby Billy works on bringing Jesse's miracle to life. And when you look at the trailer for the next episode, we see that Judy is trying to apologize to BJ. We see Carl and Chuck leaving the gemstone compound against Maymay's wishes. We see that Keith has found happiness working with wood somewhere. Legitimately wood, actual lumber. And we see baby Billy talking to Jesse. And it sounds like they're talking about something that's new with probably the rights or permission to use Amy Lee's likeness. And we see BJ crying. Jesse gives him brass knuckles. And I would assume to attack Stephen, right? It looks like it. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad we get Keith back here, Magna Mills. And I think that, I think that Kelvin is going to be jealous in a way of Keith's life. And I obviously it's the chalk, but I'm just going to say he's going to sabotage Keith to kind of ruin his situation to bring him back to him. Ooh, I was going the other way. I had Calvin's going to think about quitting the church to just do whatever Keith is doing. I like that too. So we're, we're, we're cooking with the same kind of gas there. Just minor prediction. I think we're definitely going to get to see the Redeemer in action again before the end of the season. I know I said that before, but I'm not counting the flashback episode. I still think we're going to see it again. And we're going to see Carl choke on food at least one more time again before the end of the season. I'm calling that. They brought it around enough times. We're seeing it again. Yeah, it's 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 basically, it's almost been in every episode. I mean, it's it, a lot of references there. Um, the real question is, who drives the Redeemer and will it save the day? Well, I hope our man Gideon, right? Is he okay? We thought this was going to be like the season of Gideon, remember? After when he yeah. takes over as Eli's driver. And like literally any episode he's been in, he's basically been in one scene, with, usually without a line. What yeah. happened? I thought it would be him, but now it seems like Chuck, because he had uh, Jesse tell Chuck again in the, the flashback episode. He's told him twice, now he can't drive it. You feel like that's got to happen. 
Do you think there's any chance that BJ actually fights Steve? Steven, whatever. I don't know. I think it would be hilarious if he did, but I, I don't I don't think so. I think BJ is going to probably go about this in a in a, in a different way. I, I don't know what yet, but I think it would be re- really funny if he did. You know, it would actually be funnier if, you know, Jesse gets them all gacked up to do it. He puts on the brass knuckles and he goes out and he punches the dude who he thinks is Steven, but it's not. It's actually Mark McGrath, the Sugar Ray dude. And, J- and BJ like breaks his jaw because he thinks it's Steven. That would be absolutely. That would hilarious. be a pretty good cameo, right? If they could pull that one off, I mean, I would, uh, I would certainly uh, be there for that. And I still think that uh, Stephen's wife's going to try to like revenge bang DJ. Uh, I, I do, I do see that happening. I think it's going to end up being being Jesse that 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 deals with with Steve. Uh, I, I really think that's what's going to happen there. Yeah, and I also think Steve is actually probably going to try to kill his wife at some point. He's he's mentioned it multiple times. In graphic, like in, in enough detail that you know he's thought about it. We know we're getting baby Billy this episode. That's enough for me to get excited. Uh, Mills, any other predictions before we get out of here? Not really a prediction, but I would like to see that kid. We saw the flashbacks and Tyler's got his head shaved and everything. What if like he was actually Steven or something? And this has been like all like a long game plot to get back at the to get the gemstone somehow. He looks like the same color hair, right? The age would be about right. It's not impossible. It's not, it's not it's crazy. Um, it's there's a universe where it could work. And one more because we know that uh, Amber and Stevens' try to help. middle name or something. Stevens' middle name. <laughs> yeah, sure. The, the guy who's also a lawyer says that. Um, <laughs> just one more. I think that Amber is actually going to try to give Judy some advice and it won't be bad advice, but Judy's going to just Judy it all up and like do it the wrong way because she's got to put her own spin on it. And then, you know, it backfires. And then she gets mad at Amber, even though it's probably Judy who is the one who screws it up. I like it, man. I like it. I think that about does it for this year episode of Romancing the Gemstones. Thank you guys for checking us out. We really enjoy doing this and watching, you know, the Righteous Gemstones and having you follow along with us and and enjoy the ride. Hit us up on our social media uh, or just drop a comment, man. Let us know what you're thinking. Did you like this episode? Did you swipe left? Did you one night stand it? Did you romance it? And whatever you do, do not forget those flaps. You must follow, like, and please subscribe. It's the Lord's wish for you. Mills, anything else? Are you saying that the spirit compels them or whatever? The spirit uh, compels them, yes. In short disclaimer, we're not asking you to you know, buy any Y2K buckets or anything, unless you want to. Thank you again for checking out Romance with Gemstones. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find us on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff as we are presented by regular Dudes Watch Stuff. And like the man said, don't forget those flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. That's how other people find our show. It's all we ask. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you again. On behalf of myself, Maggie Mills, and Jamie G, remember, all you got to do is live your life Big Baby Billy style. Uncle Baby Billy. Big Uncle Baby Billy. Bye, Felicia. Holy moly. Coke what?